Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Father God, we are desperate for you. Father, we are crying out to you. In a world that's seemingly gone crazy, we look to you and yet we see purpose, we see order, we see hope. And Lord God, we are watching as completion is coming. So Father, today we lift your name high. Adonai. exalt you today humbly seeking your face and yours alone Lord God we we put our trust with within you help our eyes to not deceive us help our ears to not lead us astray Lord we plant ourselves upon your firm foundation and Jesus we lift your powerful name. Jesus, we proclaim your powerful name. Jesus, we pray your powerful name. And Jesus, you are in fact the Messiah, the one who has come to bring grace and mercy, redemption and freedom to all nations and all people. So Lord, right now we lift up Israel we lift them up in their time of trouble but we lift them up and we pray that they discover who you really are that they stop looking and waiting for the Messiah and and welcome you in Lord God we also understand that that it is your will that will be done so, Lord God, as we see these things unfold, we, we pray for the nation of Israel. We stand with the nation of Israel. But we pray for your will and your wisdom, understanding that everything that is unfolding is not a surprise to you, but you are the author and the finisher of what we are seeing. So Lord God, we, we ask that you protect the innocent. And we, we ask that you protect the innocent on all sides. Lord God, we ask that your glory be made manifest and we see your powerful hand extend over this region. Jesus, we love you. Help us to not look too far beyond our own lives and, and have an understanding that within each one of us, there's a battle that is raging as well. And that we seek you and your power in that fight that we have within our, within our own self. So Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified in this place this morning. Be glorified in each one of us. Be glorified in our town, in our state, in our 
nation. Lord God, be glorified in this world. And we trust, we trust in you. Despite what the media or the internet or the news might be trying to convey to us, Lord, we trust in you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and everyone shout it out. Amen. You guys can be seated. You know, we are, we are living in some incredible times right now, and, and uh, we, uh, we just begin to see a lot of Bible prophecy is being just placed right before us, and it's, it's a day-to-day thing. And, and if you've been here the last several weeks, you know we've been talking about checking everything against Scripture, right? And we need to do just that right now. We need to, to look what's going on around the world, especially in Israel, and we need to check all of that against Scripture. Amen. Scripture holds the key. It, it informs us. It tells us. So we need to ground ourselves into Scripture. Now, now we're... we're as Christian believers, we're, we're not going to play the, the game of governments and the game of politics, where if you've noticed, they're, they're all coming out and, and they seem to be saying the exact same thing. We, we support the right for Israel to defend themselves. It's very different to say that we stand in solidarity with Israel. And that's what we need to be doing in our, in our prayers and in our actions. You know, it dawned on me during worship, it's... Uh, you know, when the whole thing happened with Ukraine, we had so many people from all over coming out and saying how they support Ukraine, and they put it on their, their Facebook pictures, and you drive around this town, and you see Ukrainian flags flying, right? The light blue and the yellow flags, and it's, we got to stand with Ukraine. I'm just wondering how many of those same people are going to come out in support of Israel. How many Israeli flags are we going to see flying? See, we need to, to understand that God's will is being done. It is his promise. It is his plan. It is unfolding. How do we pray? How do we pray in times like this? We pray that God's will be done. And that keeps us safe. We pray in the Spirit, right? Right? We, we, we understand from the word, man, there's just sometimes we don't know what to pray. And in many ways, this is one of those things. We don't, we don't pray that, that um, the carnage comes with the, with the attacks upon Israel, yet we have an understanding that it's a biblical process that is happening. So we simply pray the will of God. We stand with our, our brothers and sisters but I think most of all, we pray that those, those, those Jews that are in Israel, those Jews that are around the world who have not accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as their Lord and Savior, we need to be really praying for them as we see things continue to accelerate. Amen? Amen. Well, let's, let's dismiss our kids this morning, and we will bring them back for communion. Um, which I am going to totally forget to send somebody down. So if somebody could just make a mental note that they'll run down and tell the kids that we're ready for them, um, please do that. Um, with everything going on, of course, we have a different concern 
Um, but don't let that, again, don't let that concern overshadow where you need to be with your Lord and Savior. Um, people get ready, right? That's what we need to understand. People get ready. Quick announcements. Let's just run through these quick. They're in the bulletin. Please consult your bulletin. There's, there's a lot of stuff coming up. We have highway cleanup. Um, that's going to be Saturday the 14th. So next Saturday, um, we'll meet here and then we'll do the highway cleanup at 8.30, and then we'll come back. It doesn't usually take very long, so we should be back by 9.15 and ready for brunch, and then we'll be um, ready to do a, a, a good, quick cleanup of our grounds. And again, not a lot that needs to be cleaned up, but we would love to see you guys come out and, and help with that so that we can be ready for our trunk or treat and everything. So that's Saturday the 14th is that. And then the 15th, Sunday the 15th after church, um, I'm going to be headed down to the Edgewater Farms, which is outside of Townsend for the corn maze. And we've done this for the past several years, and it's always a fun time. Hopefully the weather will be amazing for that, but it'll be it'll make for a longer day, won't it? Um, so maybe bring a lunch or plan on grabbing something right after lunch, and, and we'll, we'll head on down there and just enjoy each other. Um, and then on the 21st, that next Saturday, west of 50s, is, is going to the Sculptures in the Wild in Lincoln, and they're going to meet here at 9.30 a.m. so that you can just carpool out of here and and uh, save gas and, and all that. And then afterwards, they're going to do lunch in Lincoln. And then, of course, Trunk or Treat is coming up. And, and we do Trunk or Treat not in celebration of Halloween by any means, but we do it as a way partly to just put a safe place for kids to, to, to get candy, but we also use it as a way to... to expose ourselves. Don't take that the wrong way. Um, I, it came out of my mouth, and what I heard was like, mm, we, we, we do this so that we can meet people in the community. That'd be a better way the, of saying that. Um, and it's, it's been great. I think this is probably would be, will be the seventh year of doing this. Well, we've done it ever since we've been here. Um, we've shifted it earlier, and it's worked really good. Um, and I was talking to somebody this morning, and it's, it's uh, most trunk or treats are simply that, a trunk with candy. But we've always done trunks that are a little bit more interactive. So we're kind of more of a carnival thing. And I'm telling you, the kids love it. So um, if you guys would would be a part of that, um, plan on doing a trunk or helping out. I'm going to send this sign-up sheet around, and you can sign up to either just help. Um, we always have popcorn and, and cider and cocoa and candy runners and all that, but what we really need is trunks. We always, we always really need those trunks. So, Sandy is the game lady. So if you need an idea for games, yeah, and, and a lot of them, you know, you don't have to have these big elaborate games. They've got to be a little bit quick to keep the kids moving, but it's always fun. Um, I always enjoy Trunk or Treat simply because I watch our people and, and how much fun our people are having with it, and that's always, that always warms my heart. And, and last year, the weather was amazing, and then November 1st, it snowed, and then the snow stayed until... April, but but 
The 31st was great. We hope and pray that, that it'll be the same this year. But yeah, if you need any if you need any ideas, talk to Sandy, get on get on Google, all that good stuff. Um, but we just wanna we wanna interact too. So when people come, when the interact with the kids, interact with the parents, invite them. We always give them um, our literature, right? Our our uh, our church times, our our Wednesday night times. But let's just have a have an amazing time once again. Four ways to give. Oh, also, 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 also. If you're at the grocery store, grab a bag of candy and bring it on Sunday mornings. We like to stockpile candy. And if you want to bring your own candy on the 31st, do that as well. But we like to give away lots of candy. And I know, I know you guys eat lots of candy that night too, don't you? Especially the chocolate stuff, it's always good. All right, four ways to give. <clears throat> and give online at bridgehelena.com. Um, our app takes you to that online giving. You can text it to 84321. Giving boxes, great way. Fill out an envelope or you can always mail it. It's surprising how many people mail their tithe in. And that, that really is a, a statement to to the obedience in, in this idea of tithing. You know, we'll get in the mail. We'll, I don't look at any of the giving. I just want you to know that. But, but I'll see, hey, this is coming. Mm, I bet they're giving. I don't open it. But it's like they're just, they were gone last week. But they're going to be here next week. But it was important for them to give. And can you just wait a week and double up or whatever. On the, yeah, most of us can, but there's some people that are like, nope, I am giving. It's going in the mail, and I, and I love that. We put that importance, that priority on worship in general, um, and it's just one more of those reminders that we are not in charge, right? We are stewards, but we are not in charge. That's very different, being a steward and being in charge. God is in charge, and he has stewarded to us the ability to to facilitate things, and one of those things is we're a steward of our finances, right? But yet we have the understanding that he is in charge of those financing finances, and tithing is just a way to uh, to solidify that, to, to extend our trust. So thank you guys for giving. You guys are a giving church. Um, great things are happening with God. Let's pray. As we get started in our series on uh, the book of Colossians, today we will start chapter 3. We're all the way to chapter 3. Can you believe it? Let's pray. Father, so wonderful to be in your house here in Helena, Montana, USA. And and Lord God, as we are are not... um, so close to the things that we're seeing unfold in the in the in the Middle East, Lord God, our heart is there, and and we ask, Lord God, that you will prompt us in in our actions, in our ideas, in our prayers of of not only praying for them but also looking within ourselves that that Lord God, we don't know when you're coming back. We don't know. So help us to be ready within our hearts. And, and Lord God, there's so much that goes on within that. Lord God, help us to do a self-evaluation of, of where we're at. Holy Spirit, guide my words today as we go through some really informative, important parts um, of the book of Colossians. Lord God, guide my words. Allow me to speak those things that you would have me to speak. Shut my mouth with everything else. And Lord God, again... Like every week, I pray that nobody 
nobody can leave here today the same way that they came in, Lord God. Let them be touched by you. Let them be affected by you. Let them be challenged by you. Lord, let them be convicted by you. But Lord God, bring us to a point of, of change, of, of decision. Lord God, there's things that we need to, to sacrifice to you upon this altar. Things like anger and pride and insecurity and fear and addiction. Lord God, help us to sacrifice those things on the altar, but leave them. To leave them on the altar so that we truly can leave here changed. Jesus, we love you so much. We lift up the powerful name. We speak the powerful name. We shout out the powerful name of Jesus because after all, Jesus, you are supreme to all things and in all things. So today, Jesus, it's all about you. Holy Spirit, guide us and teach us. We pray this in your name, Jesus, and everyone shout it out. Amen. So like I said, we're starting in chapter 3 of Colossians. And, and, and really, when we get to chapter 3, it's this great transition. So today we're coming to a transition from those things that Paul was warning the faithful believers in the Colossian church to be aware of and to, to really... He was telling them, hey, guard, your, guard yourself against these things. You've got to be aware of these things and guard yourself against these things. And he has brought us to how they need to be purposefully choosing to live their own life and continue in their own faith, right? In essence, Paul is showing the faithful what to stay away from, but also what to cling to. And since we, too, are a part of the faithful, right, let's tune in and let's be, let's be built up in Christ in these teachings that, that Paul determined and were inspired by the Holy Spirit as something that was so important that not only the Colossians needed to hear it, but so, too, so do we. So like always, we listen, right? And then we also hear, because there's a difference between listening and actually hearing. And then we take what we listen and hear and we apply it into our lives, right? We actually apply it, but then we take it and we act upon that, right? Right? At least we should be. Is, is anybody actually doing those things in here? We, we listen, we hear, we, we apply, and we act. We need to keep doing that. So let's truly leave here differently than how we came in today. Just to keep pounding it in here, I'm just going to keep pounding it in. There are three main points um, of Paul's letters to the, to the Colossians. It's Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. Jesus is the Son of God. We are to strive to live a life in Jesus. This is very apt for today, right? And, and, and the, just the news, the things that are going on. And then, of course, we, we take these things and, and we not only proclaim those, we actually bring them in and personal and we make it into a prayer for ourselves and we simply say, Jesus, you are central and supreme to me and in all things in my life. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. If nothing else happens by the end of this series, you guys are going to be like, Pastor, we got it. We got the three things. And we not keep pounding those in, but we're going to keep pounding those in because they are so important. 
All right, so we understand that, that chapter 2 is really about Paul cautioning the faithful, again, this includes us, to be a, aware and to be vigilant in our faith. Those are the, um, there are always going to be those within the church who, well, they seek to introduce unbiblical theology, right? They don't come at us at an all-out um, attack, right? We can withstand the attacks from outside of the church, right? We're used to that. We understand that. We, we pray against that and, and, and are led how to pray when an attack comes from outside the church. But, but there are many times that, that there are those that can infiltrate inside the church and they seek to introduce unbiblical theology. And, and really what their goal is, is, is to bring division, right? And ultimately destruction. Even if they're a great person, and I don't think they're really doing that. Well, they're being used to do that then. See, we are to be gatekeepers of our own faith and always check everything against the Word of God. Now, Paul stated four warnings um, about the specific heresies that were going on in the, in the Colossian church, and, and we're going to look at those real quick because because we got to flow out of this. Warning number one, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceptions according to the traditions of mere men following the elementary principles of this world rather than following Christ. That's um, chapter 2, verse 8. Now, warning two, let no one judge you in regards to food and drink or in regards to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, verse 16. Warning three, let no one defraud you of your prize, that's verse 18. And then warning number four, do not submit to man-made rules and regulations as a false means of gaining favor with God. It's really about what um, chapter 20 is. That was last week we kind of dug into that. Now make no mistake, warnings are important, right? We need to be cautioned in our faith. We need to have that understanding that, that warnings are, are incredibly important. However, the basis of Christianity can never be simply about those things that we need to refrain from, right? Do you understand that? Warnings are important, but we can't live there. See, there's no victory in a message of avoidance. In chapter 1, Paul emphasized the supremacy of Christ over all things, both in a cosmic sense as well as in a personal sense. Chapter 2 was important for the Colossian faithful to hear because it refuted both the doctrinal and the practical errors of these false teachers. But that is not where they were to live. Chapter 1 and 2 set the stage beautifully for what we find in the opening verses of chapter 3. In your Bibles, please pull out your Bibles. Paper Bibles are going to be great for today. In your Bibles, turn with me to chapter 3 of Colossians, if you are not already there. We're going to start out with Colossians 3, verse 1. Incredibly important verse. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above with where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, if you are one of those people like I am, I love 
in my Bible, I, I, to me, a Bible is, is, is meant to be marked up, right? If you look at my Bible, I, I, got, I got highlighted portions, but I always write stuff in my, my, my Bible as well, and, and I think that's a good thing. I, I like to see a Bible that's well used, that it's written in, and, and really that is the benefit of using a paper Bible. I know it's so much easier just to bring your phone in and then you can um, look at the Bible verses on your phone and other things if you so want to stray a little and things like that. But paper Bibles are, are, are pretty, pretty incredible just simply because we can write in our handwriting those things. We can date them. So if you are one of those people who like to make notes in your Bible, next to chapter 3, I want you to write something. I want you to write practical application. Practical application. Yep, Robin's doing it. I saw her even change, change the way so you can write it all neat. It's important to, to, to gain that understanding. So chapter 3 is really about practical application. You got that written? Good. Now, underline the word therefore. Underline the word therefore. See, therefore is a conjunctive adverb that means for this reason or for this cause. As a result of the warnings that we find in chapter 2 or maybe um, consequently because of them, here is the mindset the born-again believer must adopt. Now, circle the word seeking. Circle that word seeking. The condition of being born again is not only identifying with the death of Christ, which we absolutely have to. Remember, identification with the death of Christ means that we are no longer identifying with ourselves or this world and the sinful nature that it brings, and that can only result in death. But being a born-again believer also identifies with being alive in Christ. See, these are two very different things going on. The death of Jesus being alive and, and prescribed and, and subscribing to the resurrection they are very different, but yet in Christ, they are to never be separated. And that's why the symbolism of baptism is so incredibly powerful. Paul here is reminding the faithful that they have been raised with Christ, sharing in his resurrection, redeeming us to a new life. Everybody should say amen to that. A life that has been infused into us by the power of the Holy Spirit, a life that is the eternal hope of Jesus Christ. See, we are no longer the same, so we should not continue to live the same life. And a portion of that is to guard ourselves against those who would seek to drag us back to our old self, right? Sometimes those are false teachers. Sometimes those are just bad influences within our lives. We have identified with the death and the resurrection, the life of Christ. It's no longer us who lives, but he who lives in us, right? We, we know all of those things. And, and though we are supposed to walk in that, sometimes there are those that would seek to drag us back to our old self. Now, they can't do that on their own. That has to be a conscious choice on our part to go back to those 
things. And make no mistake, this is an important point. This is an important part of our faith, guarding ourselves from the false teaching, from the bad theology and the bad influences. But even more, but even more value to the born-again believer is to keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. See, we as Christians can never get overly consumed with those things that we must avoid, right? That's religion right there. We cannot find a victorious life and true freedom there. Only seeking those things. Avoid, avoid, avoid. I can't go there. I can't do this. I can't talk to this person. There's not victory in there. There's not freedom there. We must find victory in Christ alone. And this is not a casual focus. It is not a once in a while attraction. It is not a hit or miss interest. It is a fervent, passionate, enthusiastic, devout relationship. It is to see to it that our dominant and fundamental and immediate interests are centered in Christ. That's our attitudes. That's our ambitions, our actions, and our whole outlook on life must be formed by Christ's relation to us and our reaction to him. And that our devotion to him takes precedence over all other things in life. We can aim into that one all day long. But the actual practical application of that can be much more difficult. Look at what Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 6. Matthew six thirty three. But first, and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness. His way of doing and being right. The attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. See, we got to have the right order. We seek Jesus first above all things. You want to have a good marriage? Seek Jesus first. You want to have a good family? Seek Jesus first. You want to have a good job? Seek Jesus first. You want to have good employees or be a good employee? Seek Jesus first. You want to be a good Christian? Duh. Seek Jesus first. We got to say it. We got to say it. Because far too many Christians are not seeking Jesus first. Now make no mistake here. This is not a one-time thing. This is not a yearly thing. This is not even a Sunday morning thing. We are to keep seeking. It's a continuous action, and it needs to be done on a daily basis. So how often do we really do this? How often do we seek the things that are above where Christ is? In terms of wisdom in a situation or a decision, 
Are we seeking Jesus first? In terms of discernment, in, in a time of questioning or uneasiness, are we seeking Jesus first? In terms of joy, in times of sadness, despair, and dis- depression, anxiety, are we seeking Jesus first? In times of busyness and impatience, are we seeking Jesus first? Are we seeking Jesus in peace in times of anger, in security in times of fear? Do we have an eternal focus that places into context the needs, the troubles, and the desires of today? See, we look, we hear on the news what's going on in Israel. And we should be alarmed with that. But as we consult our Bible, it causes us to have the eternal focus that God wants us to, and then he grants us better wisdom and discernment on how to pray in times like this. So we're to be seeking Jesus always. So is Paul implying that we are to seek those things that are above where Christ is in all things in our life? In general, yes. In specific, yes. I think that is exactly what he is saying here. And I also think it, it accompanies 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and, and 17. Very good. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer in every situation, no matter what the circumstance. Be thankful and continually giving thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Christ's will for us is to be a people who seeks his face. We are to seek him always. And that's why the best advice that we can ever get when we go to someone is simply this. Have you prayed about it? That's the best advice that I could ever give anyone. That's the best advice you could ever give anyone. See, that's not always what we want to hear, is it? Oh, pastor, I don't want to hear that. I want you to solve my problem. But I'm not the problem solver. I'm just the middleman. I'm just the guy that God put here to ask you, have you prayed about it? So though it may not be the thing we always want to hear, it's the thing that we need to hear. And now Paul makes an interesting and powerful statement. It says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Within the context of this book of of Colossians, which we always put it into the context of the writing. This seems aimed at those who were seeking to diminish Christ's role as mediator and his supremacy, right? They were trying to pull Christ down and and, and label him as something else. And now Paul right here says, oh, it's Christ. It's, It's where he is. It's where he is seated. You know where he is seated. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Let me tell you, there is only one who has the ability and the authority to be seated at the right hand of God, and that is our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. So yes, this seems very aimed at those who are seeking to divert people. It is this wonderful proclamation that Christ is supreme and that he holds total divine authority. Who holds total divine authority? Jesus Christ holds total divine authority. Though Israel is being attacked right now, and they're going to attack back, who really holds all divine authority? It's the one that's seated at the right hand of the Father. It's Jesus Christ. This is good stuff so far. Wouldn't you agree? I love this seeking. It's this, this mindset that we are to keep seeking. Seek God. Keep seeking God. In all things, seek God. So let's, let's keep going and see, see where, we, where we move on to. Here's verse 2, Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your minds and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. So now in your Bibles, circle the word set. It's very important to set our mind. Is they really the same thing that we, we say you need to meditate on that? Have you meditated on the scriptures? That's setting our mind upon those things. And, and Psalm 119 gives us guidance here. Psalm 119.15, I will meditate. I will set my mind on your precepts and thoughtfully regard your ways, the path of life established by your precepts. In verse 1, we are encouraged to seek those things that are above. And now in verse 2, we are told to set our mind upon those things. How many of you guys know that seeking and setting are not the same thing? To seek and to set are both important principles here. We are to not only put effort into getting there, we must also put effort into staying there. I would say this, I would say in the grand scheme of things, not just in our faith, but really in all things of life, seeking is very exciting, right? Ooh, I'm gonna seek out a new job. Ooh, I'm gonna seek out a new companion. Ooh, I'm gonna seek out a new church. Ooh, I'm gonna seek out a new job. Anything. There's all sorts of things. We like to seek things out. It's exciting. We get so excited. You guys ever like, hey, I got vacation coming up and we're planning to do this. We're planning to go on a cruise. We're planning on to 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 go to the Bahamas. We're planning on to go to Hawaii or whatever. And there's all this excitement, and we're excited. We're seeking that out. And then once we get there, it's great and all, but it's kind of like, oh man, that's kind of a letdown, right? Because I had all this going on in my mind. When I was in the seeking mode, it was amazing. And that's the problem when people get engaged and they don't go through good premarital counseling and they set themselves up. The woman's like, man, I'm going to change that guy once we get married. He's the way he is. I'm going to make him sell his motorcycle and, and I'm going to make him into the things that, that I want to make him. And the, and the guy, man, he's thinking physically. He's like, man, life's going to be great. And it comes to fruition 
And it's not quite the same, is it? So seeking can be very, very exciting. But setting is so incredibly important. Setting is the endurance. Setting is saying, hey, I've, I've sought, I've gotten to this point, but now I've got to stay here. Even if, even if, even if I sought God and I prayed and he gave me an answer, and even if I don't really like that answer, it's God's answer, so we need to set ourselves there. So we not only put effort into getting there, but we also must put effort into staying there. We are not only to seek those things above we are also to stay in a constant mindset of those things that are above. And that can be very hard because we are emotional beings. I want the next high. I want the next high. I want the next spiritual experience. But sometimes God says, you've got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not all mountaintops. When we seek, we want the mountaintop. When we resolve to set, we understand that it's not always the mountaintop. It's kind of like when I talk to some people about a situation that they're going through or, a, or a, maybe it's a big decision that they need to be making in their life. And of course, I simply ask, have you prayed about it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did, but, but I didn't get an answer, so now I'm coming to you for the answer. See, what they're saying is, is they did the seeking once or twice, but they didn't do the setting. Now, don't misunderstand me here. Yes, we seek God and set our mind on him in times of trials, major decisions and, and hard situations and, and such, but we also need to be seeking and setting in the general sense of our life, even in the good times. See, God gets squeezed out in the good times because after all, they're the good times. They're the easy times. I, I, I don't really think I need God in these times. Everything is going good. So we stop seeking and we stop setting. But we can't do that. Because our relationship and our dependence upon God should not just be in times of trouble and need. It should be at all times. That's right. To set our mind upon and to keep focused habitually on the things above means that we need to be giving those things from above more than just a large place in our thought life which in our mind might look something like, like this. this. This, for example, is my mind that could be, right? This would, we could look at this and be like, oh, that makes total sense. Oh, Pastor Jason, the majority of his mind is set on godly things. That's, that's good, right? That's, he's a good pastor for, for doing that. And then, oh, Amy and his kids, he's got a nice chunk right there and and of course, fly fishing has to be in there, and tacos. And then I got, and then, and then the other right there, right? Those would be like financial burdens and, and, and job and, and those kind of paying taxes and, 
in, I got jury duty coming up in a week from tomorrow. It's like those, those could go, go all into other, but, but in general, in general, godly things. It's half. And I would say that's doing pretty good, wouldn't you? But maybe that's not how we're supposed to be looking at things. See, in this case, how I'm making room for God, I'm giving God his own area. And seemingly that sounds pretty good. But God wants more than just his own area. Even if it's the biggest area, he wants more than just that area. A better way to think about it would be in a way that that as we think about those things above, God, God is involved in all things within our life, which would look more like this, I think. Godly things is everything, right? But then out of godly things flows my relationship with my spouse. It flows my kids, how I parent my kids, how I interact with my kids, and then, and then my family and friends. And, and, and by the way, this is a great order to put things in, and sometimes we get this order messed up. And then after family and friends, it's, it's job and, and hobbies. I, I got to say, that's challenging for a pastor to say, oh, wait a second, my, my job, which is a pastor, is, is below my spouse? Yeah, it absolutely is. Sorry, guys. It's below my kids? Yeah, it has to be because that's God's order. And it's, it's, it's below my family and friends, which you guys are my family and friends. But, but when it comes to the actual job or the hobby, it, it's down here. And then, and then we get down to everything else. See, when we, when we take a mode like this, we have that understanding that it's as if, as if there's this giant God waterfall. And it's pouring over all of those things. It's not segregated like, put up that other head. Any of you notice there's no hair on the head, too? I thought I thought I was being pretty clever there. Um, God is is segmented. He's separated. They they can be touching and, and all that, but but this is my God time. And when I'm done with my God time, I'm gonna I'm gonna head to my family time. And then when I'm done with my family time, I'm gonna head to my fishing time. Man, I'm telling you what. Fishing, fly fishing for me is such a wonderful time with God. It's an amazing time with God. I wouldn't want it to be separated. And then tacos, tacos are from above. How do we separate Jesus from tacos and all that? So we look at the other head and we, we understand that it's this, this wonderful cask, flip that other head on there, um, this wonderful cascading that God is not, touching everything. God is truly over all things. See, when we set our mind upon God, when we set our mind upon Christ and those heavenly things, it touches everything. All my decisions are now based in God. And too many people, too many Christians, they think they can separate that. For example, finances are a great one. Man, I love Jesus. I just love him. I love going to church. I love praying. I love reading my Bible. What, do you, what are your thoughts on giving? Oh, well, that's my money. I don't think the Bible actually says I've got to give many of my money. My finances are kind of my finances. Let's leave that out of here. Can we change the subject? What about Noah's Ark? Was there really all those animals on there? Let's not talk about finances. Look over here. We, we try to say, man, God is ruler for everything except for my 
finances, except for my addiction, except for my this or that. We keep it separated, but we can't keep it separated. That's not God's plan. We seek and we set. We don't do it once in a while. We do it continuously. We are continuously setting God. We are continuously seeking our mind upon God. Therefore, God is involved in everything. It's those heavenly things. It's that eternal focus. It helps us get through the day. It helps us to have wisdom. It helps us to understand things. If you've never tried it, I would say try it. See, when we do this, when we not only seek, but we also set our mind upon God, our, our inner nature, those things that, that govern our thought process, now, now they tend toward God. And they tend toward godly things. And that is his will in our life. And it's less about us. And it's less about our will, which are apart from God and and attempt to revert us to this worldly mindset. Now, once again, we come to a passage of Scripture that must be balanced within the greater context of the gospel. Because if not careful, we come to a, a, a verse like this, one could take this passage um, and, and separate themselves from this world in a very unhealthy way. Have you, have you guys ever heard this saying? Some people are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. That's a pretty good saying, isn't it? Anybody ever met people like that? Oh, buddy, I have. I have. No pointing fingers at your spouse. I saw that. When, when we have a, an opportunity to raise your hand for repentance, I hope, I hope that hand goes up just as, as, as quick. To seek and to set our mind on those things, those, those heavenly things that are above does not mean we are to withdraw from all activities of, of this world to engage only in contemplating eternity and the heavens. See that? There has to be a balance there. And, and Paul seems to somewhat clarify this by saying, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. This is another direct I don't know, he's pushing back once again on those false teachers in the Colossian church. See, they were trying to dilute things, the things of God with the false teachings of of men involving things that only have temporary or temporal value or those things that can only result in death. The Great Commission and the principles of go, go into all this world, make disciples, means that we are to be about our Father's business right here and right now. How do we live our lives and how do we have influence within this world upon, upon others with our Christian lifestyle? How can we how can we do that? How, how, can, we, how can we understand that if, if we are only seeking 
the things of heaven. We are so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. And those things that if we go, if we see the opportunities, if we share a testimony, if we go on mission trips, if we do all of those things, those things don't have a temporary effect. Those things have an eternal impact. So we have to have balance here, right? It's always about balance. It comes down to where our focus is and how we live our life, how we do our job, how we treat our finances, even how we participate in our recreation. It is also shown in how we handle and resolve things like conflict and anger and fear. See, we can be a Christian But if our eyes aren't on Christ, if we're not seeking Him, if we are not set upon Him, how we resolve things like conflict, anger, and fear look very differently than how God desires us to, how the Holy Spirit is saying you need to, and and, and how Jesus has, has given us the ability to react to those things. So once again, within the context of the Bible, We must understand the balance we are to incorporate and live within. Flip that that next slide here. A person or a church that is exclusively focused upon eternity and little else is out of balance and not beneficial to those they interact with. Likewise, a person or a church that exclusively focuses upon the world and little else is out of balance and not beneficial to those they interact with. That goes both ways, doesn't it? Because currently we have churches out there that do both. It's all about eternity. It's all about heaven. All they're going to focus. They're going to hide from everything. They're going to they're going to block everything out. They don't want the world coming into their church because the world might dirty up their church. So they got to focus just upon the eternal things. How are they having an impact upon those around them? How are they fulfilling the Great Commission? But unfortunately, the trend seems to be the other way right now. And that's how how, uh, people and churches, they get so focused upon this world, they get so focused upon this culture that they disregard many of the truths of the Bible. They don't preach the gospel. And you know what? In reality, they're of no benefit to those that are around them. The Holy Spirit guides us in this balance. And this balance is ideal in terms of how we are to live our current life. Don't you want to live in the ideal? So we seek and we set within context and balance. We have an understanding of how that Looks, the overall picture of seeking and setting our mind upon those things from above would be doing just that. We seek and we set. And it brings the light that illuminates our everyday. Far too many people, far too many Christians are stumbling in darkness in portions of their day or or times of, of their life. But But the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the balance, his truth, brings the light that illuminates everything. It brings the filter that focuses our thought process upon the importance of those things that are above. Instead of stumbling around and processing everything through the darkness of this world, this world doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So we can't 
process this world by its own standards. That'll never make sense. So we look at this world through the standards of God. We seek and we set. So we understand, oh God, this is your ultimate plan. This is the bigger picture unfolding. Though I don't completely understand it, I trust in you. But we don't go and hide. We take that and we interact. We are beneficial to those that are around us. And that allows us to live a life in this world, but not confined or governed by this world. Rather, we exist within the illuminated glory of Christ himself. So instead of conforming to culture on one side or hiding from the world on the other, we actually walk these streets confident in the Lord and empowered by the Holy Spirit, understanding that God's got a job for us to do, and living with a desire to be in constant relationship with Christ as, as, as we long to do his will. Right? It's not about our will. It's about his will. And that involves having interaction with those that are apart from him, no matter how dirty they are, no matter how sinful they are. Not to be influenced by them. No, we're not influenced by them. But rather we are influencing them for the glory of God. And it's not always easy to seek and set our mind upon the things that are above because there's a lot going on there. See, this world competes for our attention. Our brain, our very consciousness, inherently it has GDHD, right? God deficit, hyperactive disorder. I'm not lying about that one. Boy, we all suffer that one because all of us can quite easily be distracted from those things that are above. And sometimes we're distracted by really seemingly good things. Other times we're distracted by things that make us nervous or, or cause fear, some things that we, that we long for and lust for, right? temptations and things like that. We got to come back to God. Not easy, but worth it. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that I've learned. And this is a learning. I wish I could have just read this and got it. I wish God could have just said, hey, Jason, you need to understand this. And I'd have been like, oh, God, thank you so much. I understand that. and I'm applying that into my life. That's not usually how I learn things. Usually I have to learn things through experience. And by learning things through experience means I got to walk through the hard things, right? I got to fail to learn so many times. Oh God, I am so sorry I did that. What was I thinking? And God graciously comes back and says, you just learned something. Now apply that to your life. But God, why couldn't I have just listened to you in the first place? Because Jason, you're hard-headed. That's why hair won't grow. And that's how I have to do things to help you to learn. Anybody else in here like that? Not bald, but just hard-headed? So let me share with you something that I have learned within my own experience. Every time I have an opportunity to learn something and I have to walk through something, it can be hard. I got to make that decision. I got to decide, God, 
I failed, but this time I'm going to try it. And it's hard, it's difficult, and I, and, and I fail again, but I keep going back. See, the more I didn't diligently make a point to seek and to set my mind upon those things that are above, a, a, a really crazy thing happens. The more natural it becomes. I'm not going to say the more easy it becomes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the more natural it becomes. The more a part of my life it grows into. So it's something that I have to consistently do, right? Nobody, nobody in here is going to get off the couch and go run a marathon. You've got you to commit to that. You've got you to train for it. You've got to be in that. You can't just seek the, the, and fill out the form to run a marathon and think you're going to be good. You've got to set yourself upon a lifestyle of training and, and, um, and eating right and, and doing those. The same is with our faith. So if you fail... Don't, don't see that as failure. See that as a learning process. And seek and set yourselves more and more and more. And then it becomes more and more natural and becomes a part of my life. And yes, it takes effort on my part. So though this may sound simple, it is anything but easy. And the success of seeking to set is largely affected upon my actions and choices on things like I read, things that I watch, what I listen to, and that includes music. You can judge, judge the barometer of your faith a lot of times by what music you're listening to. And I'm not going to put a barrel up here and say, hey, we got to burn all the, all the records, because that's what it was. It was records back then. But what I'm saying is, is, is if you're tending to, to skip the, the, the wholesome, the godly, the worshipful music, and you're kind of listening to the other, that reflects itself in a lot of other areas of your life. It does. It does. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> but we also have to understand it's also the people that I hang around with. And it's also the places that I frequent. Now understand there's balance here. We've got to have the right balance because you could take something, well, pastor says, I've got to watch out and avoid certain people and, and avoid certain places. And, and yes, that is true. But when I seek and set my mind upon God and those higher things, I have an understanding that I treat those people as an opportunity to minister to those people. Not to drop down to their level and in their worldliness, but to actually speak into their lives. And to go into those places, not for addiction reasons or temptation reasons, but because I have my mind set upon Christ and I understand the importance of the Great Commission. I am also not saying if you struggle in certain areas that you should be the person to go into that place, right? If you have a struggle with alcohol, you are probably not the person that God is going to send into the bar to minister. God loves us. God's going to send you somewhere else, right? So we understand all of this within the balance. There are so many ways 
in our faith that we can set ourselves up for success. But unfortunately, there are even more ways that we can set ourselves up for failure. So let's resolve to devote time and energy to seek and to set our minds on those things that are above. And let's implement those things in our life that will help set us up for success. One of those things is truly and deeply engaging in worship. Worship team, if you guys would come up here. We don't just come into church. We're going to come in. We're going to stroll in at 9.55 and then get a coffee. Then we're going to hang out and talk a little bit. Because if I do that, you know, I'll miss the first couple songs of worship. And then I can get in, you know, later. And then we, I'll be there for the message and everything. No, we don't look at it like that. We set ourselves up for success. When we walk through these doors, prepared to come in here and worship. We set ourselves up for success when we devote in our mind to the importance of being here on time and ready. I, I can't speak for Jen, nor would I even attempt it at all. But I bet you would agree with me in saying it is so much easier to lead worship when there's people to lead worship with, right? So, so we don't hang around out in the lobby until 10.15 or 10.20 and, and we come in here. We come in here and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Anything else doesn't matter. We come in and it's between you and God, right? You're seeking and you're setting your things on those things that are above. Well, I don't really like that song. That's not really my song. Why is she singing in that key? Things like that. All oh, the drums. Why do they have to have drums? You're making it about you. You're not seeking and setting those things that are above. So, so do I expect you to be in here at 10 a.m. and ready to worship? I absolutely do. If you're a faithful attender of Bridge Assembly, I absolutely do. The only exception to that the only exception to that would be if there's a new person and you're talking to them about Jesus and you're saying, hey, do you want to sit by me? I want to continue in this conversation. Maybe we could get coffee, but man, worship is about to start. And at Bridge Assembly, worship is vital. Worship is vital to the, the success of the rest of our week. We are here to seek and to set our minds upon Jesus. So we need to be in church. So come on in. And, and man, if you don't know what's going on and you see me raising my hand, I'm just surrendering to God. I'm just proclaiming who he is. If that's weird to you, that's weird to you. If you want to sit down, that's fine. But enter in and be open to a heart of worship. So worship is, is deeply important. And it's important that we engage in worship. Another way to truly and deeply engage is through communion. Now, it's that thing where they, they break out the bread and the little juice cups, and then we, pastor says something, and we eat the bread, and we drink the juice, and then, and then we just go on. And, and, and I do communion differently 
than most churches. We don't do a set communion because I never want it to just get that, oh gosh, I got this message and it's really great, but but it's not communion Sunday or it is communion Sunday. Well, we just got to make room for it, right? Like when that crazy uncle comes to visit that nobody likes and it's like, we just got to make room for him and we just got to be nice to him even though we don't really want him here. We can never allow communion to become the crazy uncle, right? We have to engage in communion. We have to willingly and deeply desire to have an interaction with God through this act of communion. And you're going to have that opportunity to both worship and partake in communion. Other things that we can do, obviously prayer, right? important reading your bible important but did you know togetherness edification of the body hanging out with your brothers and sisters in christ and talking about how great god is did you know that sets you up for success so seek in those and seek and set yourself upon those things that are above god's principles in your life get out of your shell get to church get to church on time Worship, listen, apply, pray, read your Bible, and hang out with other Christians. You want to set yourself up for success in your faith? Do those things. So this morning, we're going to enter in to a time of communion. And these altars are always open, right? Even on days of communion. Don't be too quick to grab your elements. There's always time. We're going to make time. So if you need to come to these altars and, and have a talk with God, have a listen with God, seek and set your mind upon heavenly things. If you need to do that right now, you do that right now. Take your time. And then we're all going to eventually get our stuff. We're going to hold it. You're going to go back to your seats and we're going to participate in this wonderful thing called communion. Can you bring those lights down just a little bit? I want to be respectful for anybody who wants to come to the altar. So as we start this song, the elements will be available. But like I said, there's no rush. Don't rush too quickly to go through the process of communion. Take time with God. Seek and set upon him. Amen. So much good in that worship song. Are you desperate? Are you are you living a life of desperation? I got news for you. You are living a life of desperation. There's desperation to this world, and that's by default. That's how we live or we can choose to be desperate for God, right? And let me tell you, life gets a whole lot different when we're desperate for God. We seek, right? Those things that are above, we seek the kingdom. We seek the kingdom first so that everything else can be added. But we don't just seek, we also set, we set, we meditate place our eye our, our our thoughts see our spirit when we have when we have Jesus the Holy Spirit comes into our life and it it starts communicating with our spirit and and naturally it longs 
to seek and set itself upon God, but it's our brain. Our brain likes to go all sorts of different areas, so that's, that's where we have to make our brain seek. We have to make our brain set itself upon those things that are above. Communion is a, a beautiful example of both, again, identifying with the death and the resurrection, the life, the new covenant that we now live under. The new covenant is, is a, just an amazing thing. It, it's reconciliation and it's relationship with God above. We don't have to go to the temple once a year and sacrifice something. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. We live in the new covenant and we long and we look for the return of Jesus. Paul, to his letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 11, starting in verse 23, really takes us through the proper way of understanding this time of communion. It says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. I love that. He, he received it, and yet he didn't just keep it for himself. He delivered it to those who were in need of instruction. They were in need. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes as often. Seek and set all the time. Again, it's not a Sunday morning thing. It's not a once a year thing and it's not a one time thing. We are to seek and set constantly. Today we participate with each other Brothers and sisters, the body, the bride of Christ. Communion is a time to, to associate with each other. But it's also a time to convene and commune with Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. That's an exciting time. That, that, that is, it, it's such an exciting time to be alive. I can't say that enough. So we take this bread. It's not simply just something to eat something that symbolizes his body and we do this in remembrance of him all those things that jesus did for us the cross the fact that he was broken the sinless savior servant so when we take this bread we associate that we we do honor to jesus by treating it in remembrance of him go ahead and take your bread And likewise, we take this cup. It's not simply juice. This cup symbolizes the new covenant. Everything has changed under the new covenant. Because of the new covenant, we look forward 
right? We seek and we set. We live our day-to-day focusing upon God. But we also look forward to the glorious day of his return. We look at our Bibles. We understand the seasons. We, we watch the news. Things are happening. We understand within our spirit, I think, that things are getting closer more rapidly. So we live a life where we seek and we set our mind upon God. Don't stray from that. Don't be caught in that instant being consumed by the things of this world, but rather turn your eyes toward Jesus. So with that, we take this juice. We understand these are just symbols, but we participate with these symbols. It's nothing special about this bread as good as it is. Nothing special about this juice as refreshing as it is. Rather, it's about our heart condition. It's about turning our heart toward Jesus. So let's pray and let's do this, that. Father, we thank you so much for your will, your way, and your plan. And Lord God, your plan was Jesus. Jesus, the redemption for all mankind. And we look to Jesus not as a historical figure or, or just a Christian symbol, Lord God. We look to Jesus as the supreme living Christ, the Messiah. And Lord God, we fix our eyes upon him. So Lord God, as we take communion, we do it in an honor of your son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, be glorified, not only in this time, but in our time of worship, but not only in that time, in our our time of, of living on this earth. Jesus, we devote ourselves and our lives to you. We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask for your continued teaching, your continued guidance, your continued challenge, conviction, and opportunities that you so lovingly bring into our lives. Lord, let us be found at work upon your return or upon that instant that we step into glory. Help us to be eternally focused, but let us be also earthly good saving those from the fire and pointing them to you. Jesus, we bow down and give all our very life, our very heart to you. I pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. And everyone shed. Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.